property. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I know Jeremy said it, and I do want to say it again for our vets. You know, I was not in the military, but the more that I'm involved with people who are in the military, the greater appreciation that I do have uh, for the people who are willing to go and to serve and and possibly for maybe parents or grandparents here who've lost loved ones in the military and the price that was paid. Because if those people were not willing to go stand there, we would not be standing here. And so uh, this morning in Deuteronomy, I want to talk to you, and I kind of thought about the graduates, and it's not just a graduate or a young person message, um, but I thought about that this week and thought, I'd like to give you a word, because you're at a place in your life where you're fixing to make some choices uh, that's going to affect the rest of your life, maybe your eternity will affect, if you're a believer, it will affect your eternal rewards and the decisions that you make. And uh, here in this passage of Scripture, that's what it's about. It's about choices that that God puts before us and gives us the opportunity to make those choices uh, that's going to affect not only us, but for generations to come. So when you make choices, I want to give you a few things that God's Word teaches through this passage so that you make the right choices and so that you end up in the place in life that God has for you to fulfill His purpose and His plan, which is always good. It's always the best for us. And uh, the world does everything that it can do uh, to try to rob people of that, not just young people, but but older people in life. We we have choices that we make all the way through our life uh, that's going to affect people around us, going to affect our our future, going to affect eternity. And so as we look at this, uh, I want to start off in in verse, um, I think I want to start in verse 11. Uh, He said, for this commandment, which I command for you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that you may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgment, that you may live. Look, now I want you to see, young people, God's will for your life, that you may live, that you may multiply. The Lord God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you're drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today, you shall surely perish. And you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he encouraged you, therefore choose life. That both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life, and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Now, I want to back up and give you a setting 
of this uh, so we can understand where we're coming from. Now, now this is the children of Israel who have been wandering through the wilderness for, for a, a term of 40 years. And if you'll, if you'll back up in the book of Numbers, or all the way actually back up through Exodus, you'll see that Israel, we, we know that they were slaves in Egypt and slavery, and God, through His, uh, His amazing wonders and His judgment and His power uh, that He had brought upon Egypt, that He delivered His people and He brought them out, brought them into the... Uh, through the Red Sea and up and gave them the law here. And this is what Moses is going through with them. He's reiterating the law. This is Moses' last message uh, to the people of Israel. And so he is, uh, uh, God gave him the law, and then he brings them through the wilderness. He shows himself uh, to them, all of his, all of his provision that he would protect them, and, and it's a walk of faith that they was going through. They was, they was. That's how they become to know God that He is good, that He is faithful, that he, that he, you can trust Him, that He can keep His word, that His love for them. And then he brings them up to the place of the Jordan River. Okay, remember he was carrying them to what was called the land of promise or the promised land. And there's a picture of a life lived out by faith, following God. You remember in the promised land that there were battles. Okay, it's not a... I guess it can be a type of heaven if you wanted to teach it like that, but, but if you look at it for what it is, there's, there was enemies, there was battles, there was difficulties, but there was great grace and there was promises and the goodness there. And in order to get that, God said, you're going to have to face these battles and go through these difficulties. But He said, I've already given this to you. I've already accomplished this for you. Now you trust me in faith and you go in there and you defeat the giants that the devil's going to try to use to keep you from having the promises of God. And so in that, Israel comes to that place, and I believe it's around numbers between chapter 13 and 14. You read it if you want to later. But but God sent the witness or the uh, the spies into the land, one man from each tribe, and you know that the, when they came back, ten of them said, "We can't do it." And there's giants in the land; we look like grasshoppers in their sight. But there was two: one Joshua, the other Caleb, that said, "Surely we can go in. The Lord's already given us this land, and if God be for us, they can't stand against us." And so the people going with the negative side of it and acting off their flesh, rather than looking at God, they looked at the giants. They looked. At the test, they looked at the battles and they said, we can't do it. And, and, the, and the Bible calls it, it was when they, they provoked God in the wilderness. And so God had come to a point with them and, and, and He didn't take away His mercy and He didn't take away His grace, okay? But God came to a point to say, if this is what you want, then turn and walk in the wilderness. Now they made a distinct choice there. And understand this, after that you keep reading, you'll see that they said, oh, oh Lord, we're sorry, we'll go in. You know, blah, blah, blah. And the Lord's like, no, no, it's too late. I want to send you into the winners, and you're going to go on your 40-year death march. There are some choices in life, even as believers, when we make them, we can't go back. You can't go back and undo them, and, and we receive the consequences. doesn't mean we fall from grace. doesn't mean God takes away His mercy. But sin has its consequences, and unbelief has its consequences. And so, here's the awesome part of this, this passage of Scripture here. <clears throat> they marched around the wilderness 40 years. You read that account. Everybody from the age of 20 and up perished. They died in the wilderness. Okay, And you look at that. To start with, I want to bring out a point for, for the kids who are in that age bracket. There comes a point in your life where you have to choose who you will follow. 
You might be raised in church. Your mom and dad has given you the opportunities. Maybe you're not raised in church. Maybe you haven't had the opportunities. But God brings you to a point. I'm not saying it's the age 20, but it's when you become mature that God holds you accountable for the decisions and the choices that you make. And you can't blame your mom and dad for where you're at or for what you didn't have. You can't live off of your mom and daddy's faith anymore. You know, not that that saves anybody, but I'm saying you can't say, well, I am what I am because my mom and dad. No, you have to, you have to come to a point where you go, who am I going to believe? And how am I going to live? And so in that, Moses is here. They're about two months away from going into the land of promise. And he's with this new generation. Those who were 20 and under, these are the ones that Moses here, the children of Israel, that God had raised up a new generation. And God is faithful to raise up new generations. And so in that... Um, Moses is preaching to them in the valley of Moab there and he's, and he's going through the law and he's calling them to the reality of you have some choices to make. And Moses was fixing to die and so uh, as, as probably the greatest leader that Israel ever had apart from Jesus, you know, those people put a lot of emphasis on him and he was stressing some things that he, what he desired of them and God had put with him to say here. And so think about this real quick. If you think about the people prior to that, the generation before them, okay? If you wanted to sum their life up, their life can be summed up. You know, basically their obituary would have said, they saw God do amazing wonders. And God delivered them through the blood of a lamb when he came out of Egypt. And God brought them through the Red Sea and he he washed away all their enemies and their past. And he led them and he provided everything that they needed. And he gave them victory over battles and he showed himself mighty to them. And he brought them to a place where they could experience the great opportunities and his plans for their life. Yet they chose to not believe God. And they spent the rest of their life aimlessly wandering, consumed by food, water, and provision. They were consumed by what they were consuming. I think there's a lot of Americans today, and I'm, I'm one of them, that if I'm not careful, that, that's what's going to sum up my life. To where I come to a place, and I, as I studied this, I thought, I wonder how many opportunities in my life that God has brought me to and went, this is, this is my plan for you. But I want you to follow me in faith. And you're going to have to trust me. And yet, oftentimes, I look at, at what it's going to cost. And I consider that. And I'm like, God, this, you know, there's giants and that's difficult. And so God's like, you know what? Are you going to spend your life aimlessly wandering and living for the things of this world? And always thinking about and always seeking after and chasing. And your life is consumed by the thing that doesn't matter whatsoever. Jesus said later on... <clears throat> I believe it's in the book, yeah, it's in the book of John. Jesus said, don't labor for the meat that perishes. Don't spend your life for what is consumed away, but invest your life or labor for the meat that endures unto eternal life. That's what our lives should be geared towards. And I know we all work. I know we all, all have things. And, but the point is, Jesus said, if you seek me first, if you put me first, put the kingdom of God first, all these other things will be added unto you. So many times as a young person, when you come to a place and, and you don't only just graduate from high school, there's a lot of people here, we graduate to new levels, you know, at, at all different seasons of our life. And there's so many times that when we think about it, if you ask a kid, you know, 
right now? What are, what are your future plans? Most of them immediately go to, well, I'm going to try to be this or become that or go here or experience this. That's, that's not what I'm asking you this morning. I'm not asking about what you're going to be because that's not who you are. And I'm not asking you what you want to become or what kind of job you want to have. All that's fine and dandy and it has its place. What I'm asking you is, who are you going to love? Because we boils down to, I'm either going to love God, and I'm going to trust Him, and I'm going to follow Him, and He's going to work out all those details, okay? Or I'm going to love the world in its ways, and I'm going to follow it. And Moses is laid out. He said, this is life, black and white. There's no gray, okay? If you're in the middle, you're going to get squashed. But black and white is, you choose today whether you want life and blessings, or whether you want cursings and death. And we have the same choice that we make in this life. <clears throat> so a few questions that you're going to ask here, especially if you're young, and maybe not so. Maybe you're in a place now where you have some choices to make in your life as an older person. Um, but as a young person, I have some things I need to decide, okay? Number one, where do, where will I go from here? Some of you people that are graduating, you, you kids that are graduating, maybe some of you who are going to graduate, maybe you graduate from college, but you have to ask the question, where am I going to go from here? What do I want in life? And what will my summary be? You have to determine those things. You know why? Because if you don't decide, what am I looking for in life? Where do I want to go? And where do I want to end up? Then you're just going to aimlessly wander through life, letting life and the world and circumstances and situations dictate the path that you take. Whereas God said, I have a way for you to walk in. And I have a plan and a purpose. And it's good for you. And you'll prosper. You'll experience good success. I'm not talking about riches. I'm talking about prosper in the Lord. Okay? And so in that, you have to determine when, when, because one day every one of us, they're going to sum up our life. And the question is, what will be spoken of you? And what do you, here's the thing, what do you desire to be spoken of? Because when I stand before the Lord, I, I don't know if there's going to be groups and we're going to be separated out, but I don't want to be in a group that just wandered aimlessly through life and like, all right, I'm glad I'm here and you know, and I'm, I'm here only through the, the blood of Jesus, but I wasted the rest of my life. I didn't do anything with it. I chased after bread and water, you know, and a shelter and I made it through life. I want to be in that group that follow God by faith. I want to be like, you know, Joshua or Caleb. And, and I want to touch on that because I'm going to give you four quick things. Quick, I guess, I'm out of time. I want to give you four things real quick that's going to help you determine the choice that you make. Number one is the witnesses of God. When you're going to make choices, you say, I have to choose what I'm going to spend my life doing. I have to choose a person that I'm going to spend my life with. i got to choose how I want to raise my kids up if God so chooses to give me something. I need to choose how I'm going to lead my family, how I'm going to, how I'm going to do this, do this, what I'm going to involve my life in, all these different choices. Okay, The first thing I want you to consider is the witnesses of God. Now, in this crowd right here, and I'll get back and break down the scripture in just a second, but I'm still giving you a setting. In this crowd right here, you have um, probably an average of about several hundred thousand or, or a million people sitting there. And you would have looked at them. And this time it's possible that there were some around 60 and down. It was predominantly a younger crowd that had been raised up during that time of the March of the Widows. But there were three men. If you would have looked around that crowd who were witnesses of the faithfulness of God. One was Moses. Moses was a man of God who stood in the gap for those people. And I want to encourage older people right now. Maybe you've been walking in the faith. Maybe you're nowhere near graduating high school. All right, amen. 
But God still has a plan and purpose and you are to be a witness of God's glory and God's goodness and God's power. And as parents, there are times where our kids do some really stupid things. But just like those people there who made some stupid choices, just outright blasphemy, rebellious towards God and the things they did, always complaining like we talked about last week. But Moses, there was a, there was one point in time where God said, I am fed up and I'm going to wipe these people out and I'm going to raise up a seed out of Moses that's going to be my people. And you know what Moses did? Moses didn't go, hey, that sounds pretty good. Moses fell on his face before God and he stood in the gap for those people who caused him headache after headache after trial and all the things that he listened to them whine and complain and murmur. Yet he loved them enough to stand in the gap for them and to pray and to go, God, will you show mercy to these people? And you see a love there of a man who loved the Lord and who continued and didn't quit. And then you see the second man who would be Joshua. Now Joshua was a man who stood for the Lord even when it went against the majority, okay? You had Joshua, Caleb, and Moses who stood and where you got about a million other people said, we can't do it. Yet Joshua was a leader and he believed God. Whether they believed God or not, he believed God. You can't go with the majority these days or ever. There was never a time. And so young people, you can't live your life. If you do, you're going to live by cursings and death if you're going to go with the majority. Jesus said, wide is the way and broad or broad is the way and wide is the gate that leads to destruction and there will be many, a majority that go that way. But narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to life and there will be few that find it. I want to be and I am among that few. And there are a few people today that really experience the life that God has because they think they can go with the majority and they can fit in and they can seek after the things that the majority want to seek after. Yet they want the blessings and the favor of God in life. God said, it doesn't work that way. Yet Joshua stood up and I want to point out something to you real quick before I move on. I might have to cut my message short. Moses was a great man of God. Absolutely. And he represented the law. He represented what God was saying here. Do this, do this, live by this. This is my holiness. This is my righteousness. And it was, it was, it was the law. If you read the Bible, is something that represents the righteousness and the holiness and the standard of God of which I can never measure up. And so Moses represented that, okay? Moses didn't lead the children of Israel into the land of promise. He died, okay? And that's what the law does. Law brings death to me. If I try to come to God, if I try to find God's approval, if I try to get God's acceptance through trying to live by the law and uh, and rules, and no matter how good my intentions are, no matter how great my efforts are to try that, I am going to die and perish because the Bible says no man has ever been justified or saved or made innocent by the law. But if you look at Joshua, okay, Joshua led the children of Israel into the land of promise, conquered all of the enemies, and gave them the land of blessing. In the New Testament, Jesus' name is, in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means Joshua, okay? The law cannot save you. The law cannot give you a life of blessing, but Jesus can. It's not about, okay, I need to live by a list of rules and try to do my best. Your best is never good enough. You will never be good enough, and you will never try to live by this certain standard whether yours or God's is set to where you go, where God's going like, hey, that is, you are doing great, okay? All the law does is bring me to a place to where I go, I can't live up to this, but I look to Joshua. 
I looked at Jesus and He's like, I can. And I've got the victory. And I'm ready to lead you. I just want you to follow me. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And then I want you to turn real quick. Man, this went way longer than what I thought. Look in, look in Joshua. I've got to read it. Y'all can hang out. We're going to eat after church anyhow. I'm not going to rush through this. Look in Joshua chapter 14. Because this is an encouragement to a lot of us old heads here. Okay? Looking at Caleb. And you remember, Caleb was 40 years old when he went into the land to spy it out. Then he walked through the wilderness another 40 years while all those unbelievers were dying out. And so at this point in time, he is 80 years old. For most people, they would say, I've put in my time, and now the younger people can do it. Let's, let's see what this says. Verse 6, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Jephunneh the, the Kenizzite, said to him. Now notice what Caleb is talking to Joshua here after they've conquered the land. You know the word. You see what he trusted in? You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back the word to him that it was, notice where it was, it was my heart. His heart was in line with God's word. His heart was connected to trust Jesus. Okay, He said, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children, y'all bear with me, forever. Because you have holy father, the Lord my God. And he said, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Thank you, brother. Has kept me alive as he said, I just get tore up about God's goodness. As he has kept me alive, and he said, these 45 years, or he's 85 here, I'm sorry. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here spoke his word to Moses, or wait a second, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And then notice what he says, yet I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so my strength is for war, both for going out and coming in. It's just, I could finish my message here, I'm not, okay? So, but I'm just looking, I'm going, here's a man, he's not just talking about his physical strength. He's saying, my faith has not wavered in God whatsoever. And even after 40 years of being around a bunch of whining, and I'm not referring to y'all, <laughs> but you're whining and complaining people. You know, we're surrounded by that in the world every day who don't believe God, who didn't trust God, who spoke against God, who murmured against God, yet my faith remained constant because I believe God. And then he says, now therefore, give me this mountain. You know, the land that he inherited was, was part of a plain and part of a mountain. And it went in the Bible, if you keep reading later on, you'll see that it said that there were giants in that mountain and there were, they had chariots of iron and steel. And our, in our language, they'd be like, they had helicopters and, and army tanks. And yet Caleb, he was older, okay? He's done been through a, a world of, of, of burden in his life. And he comes to a place where they've conquered part of the land. 
He's received part of the blessing and part of the promise. And he could have said, you know what? Man, I'm tired. I fought battles. And I'm just going to kind of settle here, you know. I'm not, I'm not up to, the, to going for that mountain. And there's so many times in our lives as believers that, we, that we're saved and we serve and we fight the battles and we see the victories and we go through it and we come to a place where we kind of level off and we look because oftentimes the challenge before us is even greater. But the promises are greater. And the blessings are greater. But so many times we settle down and we go, you know, Lord, I'm just going to hold up right here. And I'm just going to put it on coast and I'm going to finish up, you know, my life. Let the, let the younger ones take care of it. You know, that's for them. I've put in my time. And Caleb said, God, I ain't resting and I will not settle and I will not be satisfied until I receive the mountain that you promised me. And there's some of us here today that need to get up and go, you know, God, you've made promises to me in my life and I refuse to settle for anything less. And I want my mountain. Amen. Now, I'm going to go. I'm going to go really quick through the rest of these. I'm sorry. I take so long. Witness to God's sake. Things the word of God. I'm going I'm to most of you know this. OK, if you're going to make decisions, consider the word of God. If you don't, you're a fool because it's true and it's unchanging and it's God's GPS. No matter where you are in life, kids, you might make some bad decisions and you probably will. God expects it. If you want to know the truth, as we adults make bad decisions and stupid choices. Yet God's like a GPS because no matter where you are, you can always punch it up. And God's like, I haven't moved. I'm right here. My word hasn't changed. And you can always get right back in the right direction and go to the right place that God wants you to be because God's a God of not just one chance or two chances, but unlimited chances for those who will turn back to Him. God's like, I'm ready to pick you up right where you are and lead you to where I intended you to go. Third thing is consider the will of God. Moses goes through and said, it's not like it's way across the ocean or way up in the heavens that you have to go. It's not a mysterious thing is what he's saying. Let me get back to Deuteronomy. He's saying, it's not a mysterious thing. We want to try to make the, the will of God so confusing and mystery and it's unattainable. He's saying, it's, it's not that it's not unattainable. It's not a mystery or confusing. It's not difficult. It's something that is very close to you. And if you're a child of God, I want you to know where it begins. It starts off right there in verse 14. It says, but the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. He said, you want to know God's will, first of all, you need to know God. And you have to have the heart of God. No sinner can say, I'm going to walk in the will of God. It's impossible. But it's when we come to God and go, God, I want your will for my life. And God says, first off and foremost, my will for your life is to redeem you. And to forgive you and to wash you in the blood of my son who died for your sins so that you can have life and that your heart will be given a new heart. You're given the very heart of Jesus. And now you have a desire in you to not only know, but to, to walk in and follow the will of God. Kids, if you don't have that heart, you are in a horrendously dangerous place. If you're an adult here and you go, I don't care about the will of God. I don't know the will of God. I don't have, I, I want to do my will and I want God to bless that. God's like, no, what you need first, you don't need to follow a bunch of rules and go to a bunch of churches and hear a bunch of thoughts. You need Jesus. You need a new heart. You need a transformation. You need to be born again. You need to have life because right now you're living and abiding in death. The, the fourth thing, this is the last thing, it's the best thing. So you want to consider the witnesses of God. Look around at the people around you and determine, do I want my life to be like them? When you walk out in the world and you look at people who are misery and chasing after the American dream and they're empty and they're void and they're dead inside and they're, they're just chaos, you got to look and go, do I want my life to end up like that? 
And then you look at the witnesses and hopefully it's your mom and daddy. Or somebody in the church that you can look to and say, I've watched that person faithfully walk with God and experience difficulty and trials and tests and troubles. Yet their faith remains unwavering. And that is a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want my life to be like that. So you got the Word of God and you got the will of God. And the last thing that blows my mind is the wonders of God. God always called His people, and I won't read everything that I've got, but God always called His people through the, through the whole Bible to, to remember His wonders. I want you to remember that you was a slave, that you had no hope, that you were in bondage, that you had nothing to offer me whatsoever. Yet I loved you, and I made a way, and I conquered your enemies, and I conquered your greatest enemy, and it was through the blood, remember the Passover lamb, it was through the blood of a lamb that I delivered you, and I set you free, and I brought you out, and I raised you up out of the miry clay, and I set you on a rock, and you can consider all that the Lord has done, and the wonders in life, and the mercy, think about the mercy, those people were rebellious, and wicked, and sinful, and God continued, when I would have wiped them out a long time ago, God continued to be long-suffering and patient and merciful. You know what? When I look at my life, I go, God, I'm wicked. And I've been rebellious. And I've been so sinful and so wretched in my life. Yet God's mercy continued to extend to me and to be long-suffering with me. And He still is patient with me every day. And I've got to consider that wonder. And when you come down to the greatest wonder, you know, sometimes I go, oh, God, I wonder why. You ever do that? God, I wonder why I'm still alive. I wonder why you're so good to me. And I wonder why you bless me. And if you want to answer that question, because he comes down and he says, Today I said before you, listen to what he says, cursings and death. If you look at that curse and study for yourself, he said, you can choose the way of sin. That's cursed. And you're going to end up dead. You're going to perish. Not only physically, but spiritually be separated from God in hell for all eternity. You have a choice. You want to choose that? Or you can choose life and blessing. You know, here's the truth. We're all cursed because we all sin. You can't ever be good enough to overcome those curses. Here's, here's the greatest wonder of God. When you stand at the foot of the cross and you look at Jesus on the cross, the Bible says in Galatians, He became a curse. He became my curse so that I could choose life. Man, do y'all see that? And I sit there and go, God, I want people wonder all the time. Well, I wonder, how can you say that there's so much evil in this world? How can God be love? And how can God be good and there be so much evil in the world? And I go, that's not my problem. My problem is, how can I be so sorry and so wicked and yet stand and look and see my Savior dying as a curse in my place so that He could say, choose life. I want you to have life. I died on the cross. I became your curse. I became your death. I took the full punishment of your sin so that you could have life and not only life, but blessings. I just want to shower my goodness and my love onto you. So what is eternity going to be like? You know, I think it's going to be wonders. I think I'm going to stand there and go, I wonder how I ever got here. And I wonder why God loves me so much when I don't deserve it. And I wonder why God's grace continues to reach out to a people who are sorry and wicked and rebellious. But here's not, I'm not going to wonder. I'm not going to wander around and see how it ends up because there was a place and a point in my time and hopefully in yours where you come to the place where you go, I'm going to stop wondering and I'm going to start trusting.
And I'm going to turn to Jesus. And I'm going to live for Him. And I'm going to love Him. And I'm going to follow Him. Because it's not about a bunch of rules and going to church and being good. God said the first thing in every part of that passage, He said, I want you to love the Lord. So I tell you kids, and I want to tell my son, who graduated this year, so if you had one message to give to him, what would you tell him? I would tell him, Cody, I don't care what you become. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive. I don't give a flip about none of that stuff. What I care is, son, follow Jesus. No matter where He leads you, no matter where He goes, no matter how hard it gets, no matter the trials or the blessings or the goodness you experience, don't get caught up in that stuff. You keep your eyes on the Lord and you love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul because one of these days, all this stuff's going to be gone and we're going to be together forever with the Lord because He's good. Choose life. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just bow before you this morning. Just I am amazed at your wonders. God, all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you're going to do for each and every person standing in this building, every person who's breathed the breath of life, none of us are worthy of it. God, we don't do anything that provokes you to love us. You love because you are love, God. You're good because, because of the grace that we receive through Jesus and the sacrifice He made. Father, I thank you for the hope, the sure hope, that it's not because of the way that I live. It's not because of my performance, God, because I fall and I fail every day. And I thank you that I am secured through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who, who leads us, Lord. You lead us in the way of goodness. You want blessings for our life. And Lord, I pray that every person here today would first love you. And then trust you and choose to walk in that way. God, for these young people who are moving on to a different place in life, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be so strong in them. God, your voice would be clear. Lord, even when they do make bad decisions, I thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. No matter how low we go, no matter how dark sometimes we can become, God, you're always there. Nothing separates us from your love. God, that they would choose that today they're lost and they don't know you, God, I pray that you would just move in their heart they might choose to trust you as their Savior today. And God, as your people, I know in this crowd there's a bunch of folks, start with me, who's like Caleb. And so many times I settle in life, God, and I, and I give up, Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that you're always there to prod us and to lead us and to call us to, to go after that mountain, God, that you've got before us. Help us be faithful. To trust you in that, God. And if we've if we slowed down, if we've given up, God, that you'd raise up a revival in, in this generation. That we would not look to the next generation to carry the cross, but God, that we would pick it up and that we would carry it. And that we would represent you. Lord, I just pray that you be with the family this morning. So loaded up with burdens. And I thank you, Jesus, that when we look to you, we have an absolute hope. And I thank you for that hope. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.